Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. introduction said this is the weekly spirit seeker hour and this is cindy meyer publisher of spirit seeker magazine this magazine's been around for 20 years it is just hard to believe uh that we've been publishing this for that long but we started off as a um six time a year magazine and then in 2002 we went to monthly uh, we are a print magazine in the Midwest. We um, are You can find us in Chicago, St. Louis, and Kansas City, and many other small towns in between, but those are the main uh, major cities. And then in addition, we support over, I think it's like 30-something conferences a year. So you will find Spirit Seeker Magazine this month at the Global Pyramid Conference in Chicago. We will be at the Afterlife Conference in St. Louis. We'll be at the Body Mind Spirit Expo coming up. Um, in um, Chicago, in Tinley Park uh, in June, and we will be at BhaktiFest. So we cover everything from yoga to meditation to anything that enhances the mind, body, and spirit. We have a larger edition online, so uh, the Vedic astrology can be read each and every month online. So um, a wonderful thing to, to give yourself as a gift is to be on our email list. In addition to the monthly magazine, we have a weekly email newsletter. And if you send an e- email to info at spiritseeker.com asking to be added to that sacrosanct email list, then we will let you know who the radio show guests are. We'll let you know when the magazine is online. We'll let you know about all of these other wonderful conferences throughout the U.S. that um, are there to help and support us. There are also over 450 archived radio shows. These become podcasts the minute they are finished. So you can always, um, you know, if you can't listen live, you can access later. And we know you listen because we get the stats. So send the email, as I said, uh, as I suggested, to info at spiritseeker.com, asking to be added to our email list. And then um, we periodically do drawings because Spirit Seeker receives wonderful books each and every day. We get CDs, DVDs, um, because we do music reviews as well, and um, we do periodic drawings. So you get rewarded for being on that list and telling your friends about the show and the magazine. Okay, so that is it for announcements. Um, I am delighted to bring my guest on, uh, Paul Selig. He is a considered one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. Um, he is an author, he is a channel, he has uh, worked in the arena of academia, he um, worked with uh, in the college, uh, the university field, I should say, for, um, for many years, he has been... Um, He's been on TV, he's been on radio, he's known as the medium for the living, and I'm going to let um, Paul tell you the rest. So, Paul, welcome, and thank you for being my guest this evening. Whoops, I think you are still, okay, 
Paul, are you there? I'm sorry. I, I'm I here. Thought I, okay. I <laughs> I'm here. Thanks for having rather me. Rather than unmuting. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. And, you know, you've had quite a lifetime uh, already, mm. you know, and now you've, you've uh, this whole portal is open. We, you, you've published mm-hmm. three different books, I Am the Word, the Book of Love and Creation, uh, the Book of Knowing and Worth, and uh, I guess I should say four books, and yeah. the Book of Mastery. Mm-hmm. So just tell us how did this all come to be? I know that um, at one time you were what we call a normal person, haha, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden a portal opened and here we are today. So, yeah. so whatever you want to share, and I'll sure. jump in every once in a while. Okay. You know, it's it's been it's been a process. I, I, this isn't what I thought I would be doing with my life. It's not what I I believed my work was, especially channeling. I think I, I don't even know if I was somebody who necessarily believed in it. Um, I had read a Seth book or half a Seth book in graduate school and thought it was really interesting, but I, I wasn't in the camp, you know, as it were. Um, I was raised something of an atheist when I was about 25. I hit a real wall in my life. I began praying. I heard a voice telling me to get my act together and how to do it, and I did, which was the first voice I ever heard. And then a few months later, um, on this thing that the people were calling the harmonic convergence, this was back in 1987, I had some kind of an experience. I still don't really know what it was. People said it sounded like a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. For all I know, I was I was hyperventilating. But, you know, I, I was an experience of energy, and I, I started seeing lights around people shortly thereafter. And, you know, I maintained uh, a life in academia. I taught at NYU for 25 years and ran a graduate program at another college for 15. While I was sort of quietly developing, first as an energy healer, um, I studied that and I found out that I was clairaudient and clairsentient. When I began working with people, I was hearing information for them and feeling initially what was going on in their bodies. Now my, my work is primarily with the mental-emotional bodies, although I still track physical stuff when needed. Um, and I began doing a group in my apartment um, just to sit in the energy. And it was very quiet. Maybe there were, you know, sometimes there were five people, sometimes 15 but I did this, you know, for many years, very quietly. And um, in about 2008, I think it was, my guides began lecturing through me, and I hadn't really realized that that had happened. I wasn't that interested in the information that was coming through. I was very interested in the energy, because the energy that was coming through was extraordinarily palpable. And I seemed to be operating as a bit of a conductor for that in a way that I still am not entirely sure I understand but it was happening, um, and it was augmented by instruction. And then in 2008, I realized that I was talking a whole lot more and wasn't paying much attention to it. And then in 2009, my guide said to somebody in the group, you know, Paul's not going to believe what comes through him until he sees it written down. And I had not liked to rec- – I, I had never recorded my, my, my sessions because I was too worried that there would be something wrong, and if there was something wrong or that it didn't make sense – I feared I would never do it again. And I also don't like to hear myself. When I'm channeling, I whisper the words as they come and repeat them, and it's a very awkward-sounding transmission. It's not, I'm not one of these people that says, hello, I'm here from whatever, whatever. It's a, it's a much more physically encompassing response. 
But I did. I did record and I transcribed, and it was a five-page lecture that required no editing, and I got kind of hooked every week on seeing what would come through. And shortly thereafter, um, the guide said, you know, we have a book to write, and if you take two weeks, we'll do it. And um, I did. I had just sort of had an experience in my life where my ego had been really leveled, and all of a sudden I thought, well, you know, they want to write a book through me? Fine. Who cares? Let's see what will happen. I just did it in the spirit of the experiment, um, not expecting that it would really happen. But it did. It took two and a half weeks, and um, it was the first book called I'm the Word. And it's the unedited transcript of those sessions. The only things that were edited were occasionally the person who was on the phone during these sessions listening and taking notes while I recorded would ask something personal of the guides that I work with, and she asked that that not be included in the text. But all of the books, and there are now four in print and another that's just been completed, are really the unedited uh, transcripts of these sessions. So my guides are delivering the whole books. You know, Once in a while, they'll let me name a chapter if they don't name a chapter themselves, or they'll approve it. Um, but pretty much that's about as much input as I actually ever have in these books. So that's my work now. You know, and I do it all over the country, and I do workshops. And but the books are how people have found me, I think, in the work. Well, and you know, when you were um, at, working in the university mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what were you teaching, if I may ask? Playwriting. I was a play. I was a playwright when I was younger. That's right. That's right. And, that's um, right. I remember that. It, yeah, and then you know that was. That's what I taught, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. You know, and in retrospect, you know, when I was playwriting, I mean, it's funny in retrospect how much of of everything that I've done that has really been in support of what I now do, but playwriting was about assuming other characters and becoming other people. And I used to put myself in a light trance when I would write, without even knowing that that's what I was doing. I used to play music on loop until I sort of disappeared and the writing came forward. So in retrospect, I was sort of being trained, I think, for what I'm doing now. And the teaching in the college you know, environment really taught me how to hold a space. You know, I'm a good teacher, and I really liked it. So I think all of our gifts get used by spirit, God, the universe, whatever. But yeah, I, I had a very traditional academic life in many ways. So when you were a little boy, I, I don't mm-hmm. know why I'm here to ask this, and if I'm, um, if I'm off mm-hmm. track, just say no, but did you have a grandfather that influenced you in many ways? No, actually, you know, I really didn't. Um, I, have one, I had one grandfather that died when I was about four or five. I, don't, I think I met him when I was too young to know him. And the other grandfather, I really didn't know well at all. He kind of favored my younger brother, so we we really didn't have much of a relationship. So no real grandparents. I have no idea why I asked that. I have no idea. But um, but as you know, as a child, I'm sure you did not and you know envision this at all. But were you Mm -hmm. you know with your empathic abilities, Mm -hmm. were you able? like to know things about people as a child or was this just when you all of a sudden hear you you know your gifts Mm. open so widely well you know i had a few psychic experiences when i was a kid that were distinct you know and um you know and verifiable um and then i had one when i was about four or five of a being hovering over my bed and it was an out-of-body experience because i watched this beautiful gold being hovering over my bed talking to me while I lay in the bed but I also remember watching the whole thing from the ceiling 
and seeing myself in the bed, and I still don't know what that was. Sometimes I wonder if that wasn't one of my guides or the guide that I know now, you know, sort of reminding me, because my childhood was really anything but fun. And I was a very worried kid. I believed, for whatever reasons, that thoughts were things um, very young. And you really couldn't convince me otherwise. So I thought thinking things was the equivalent of doing things, and it frightened me. So I became frightened of my own thoughts as a child. I mean, now I, I think I probably would have been diagnosed with OCD or something back in those days. I was just a worried kid. Um, and, you know, in terms of my my abilities as an empath, I didn't know what an empath was. Again, this wasn't part of the vocabulary. I'm, I'm actually highly, highly sensitive. And um, I assume I was at that age without understanding sensitivity. Um, I don't know, you know, this was the 1960s. So, you know, in retrospect... I spent a great deal of my life sort of trying to avoid my own sensitivity. And when I was 25, I began to, you know, release things that were sort of precluding that. When I was, when I say that I really opened up as a channel in 2008, that was, I think, right around the time that I quit. Well, no, it was later. I, I stopped smoking God, and that was about 11, 12 years ago. But when I quit smoking, my whole system opened up. And I used to smoke, channel and smoke, you know, do a reading and smoke. So I, I had a real investment in sort of numbing or repressing my system, my central nervous system, and I'm assuming that's what it is when I work, um, is, is, is on fire. You know, when I'm channeling, I'm a physical channel. And I'm a physical medium to the extent that if you ask me to step into somebody in your life, if you want to know what's going on, say, with your best friend, and you give me your best friend's name, I can step into your best friend, and I'll probably start to resemble her. And you'll go, oh, my God, you look just like her. And that's just been part of the way that I work. So it's 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 a very physical process for me. And, you know, and at the same time, when I'm doing that kind of work, if you drop a fork in the next room, I may jump out of my skin because my sensors are so alert. You know, they're on such a sort of a high level of, of pitch. And so it's an odd experience. And so my childhood was odd, too, I guess, in retrospect. Well, you know, it's brought you to where you are today. And, uh-huh. you know, now now there's work on, you know, they call them the HSPs, the highly sensitive people. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the latest work that they're doing with um, – so many autistic children, you know, and especially in Silicon Valley, they have found that they're, you know, that's where all the brainiacs are. And yeah. oftentimes when you have highly intelligent people, their brains work in a different way. Okay. And, um, you know, the hypervigilance and the hyper, you know, being so aware as a young child that thoughts are things, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of a highly sensitive person because they, they, they just feel and know, and they don't even understand it. And then most parents are like, "Well, you knock it off." <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, today parents are more aware, but you know, so uh, like these kids, know. you know, the kids are. I wouldn't say all parents. I think you're. I, I, I get what get what you're. Where you're yeah. yeah, I understand. No, I. You know, I. I just taught too many too many college kids that were highly sensitive that were being medicated. You know, and maybe they need them. You know, it was a different time. You know, for me. So, 
You know, nobody was on medication back in the 60s. And, and honestly, in retrospect, I'm very grateful because I think if I had tuned in, you know, been sort of shown up. I mean, first of all, you know, I'm, I hear voices for a living. You know, that's what I do now. I'm no longer <laughs> in academia. you get paid for it. Thank you. I get paid yes. well for it. And, you know, and, and I dictate books in a matter of days that require no editing. I mean, it's an astonishing thing if I think about it from that vantage point. But you know what? They were giving people lobotomies for this kind of thing, you know, not too long ago. And before that, they were burning people at the stake. So, you know, it's, there's, there's a long history around this kind of thing, I think, and, and sensitivity. Um, and I'm glad that the vocabulary now is encompassing of this. I mean, the fact that you and I are even having this conversation in a public forum is, is kind of amazing, you know, if you yeah. think about it and where we come from. Well. And there's a, a tremendous fascination with it. I mean, you know, you look at TV and you have, you know, all these different shows that, you know, you would never have seen, yeah. you know, some of the shows that are on there now and the awareness, you know, level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, so so for listeners, in, in case we have listeners that are total neophytes and saying, mm-hmm. what the heck is a channel? How do you, yeah. how do I know who my guides are? Who, yeah. who, how, who does, who is Paul? Is he channeling one person or is there an entity? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Can you talk sure. just a little bit about how that how that works for you and how you've seen sure. it, you know, work for others? Well, you know, I don't know how it works for others. I people occasionally send me clips of people channeling, and I I I, I I've seen a clip of Jane Roberts' channel once, who was channeling Seth back in the sixties or seventies, I guess it was, and I recognized how she was working. I recognized sort of the physical level of, of expression. For me it's a very physical process. Other people perhaps it's not. But I can speak to what it's like for me now, which is really quite different from what it was like when I was first opening up in the early nineties. Um it's still a physical experience, but what I do is I'm essentially stepping out of the way. I'm allowing my consciousness to recede. I actually often imagine that I'm climbing into the back seat of a car and handing the wheel over to my guides. And I'll hear one phrase repeated insistently, and it'll keep repeating, keep repeating until I give it voice. And the moment I say that first phrase, Everything else comes out behind it, just this tumble of words, and they're often speaking for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, you know, at a time, and they're really lecturing. I mean, these things are, are, are built lectures. It's kind of amazing when I see them written out, especially in the books, because you really see them sort of build a whole teaching, and I didn't even know what the chapter title is going to be or what the focus of the book is until they start to do it. I mean, it's wild. So my experience is that I am I'm hearing the words on my on the transmission as I'm hearing it, I'm whispering it as they come. Then I repeat it in a louder voice, which actually is the only way everybody can understand it unless I'm mic'd. And I, for it's like I always say it's kind of like reading fortune cookies, one after the other, after the other, after the other. I hear phrase, 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 phrase without knowing where it's going or what the trajectory is. And there's a whole sort of system of physical gesture that comes. And there's also physical phenomena that's attached. My eyes, I've been told, I haven't seen this, and it's been filmed, but I haven't seen the footage, so I don't even know if it's shown up there. But my eyes often change color. I have hazel, dark hazel eyes, and they often run a very, very pale blue 
when I'm working, and I don't know why. You know, I mean, it's this thing that sort of happens specifically when the guides that I work with sort of step into me, and then they work with people individually, and they face them as themselves. So my response of channeling is I'm working with a group. They call themselves teachers, um, and they're they're coming through to teach. I don't really see them. I've seen a couple of them, and, and or at least one that I'm very aware of in meditation that I'm grateful that I can see. Um, and if I had a better meditation practice, I'd probably see more of them, you know, and, and, and see more. But for me, the experience is, is auditory, and that's not hearing with my ears. If you can imagine that a voice sort of comes forth from within your head, within your mind, that actually precludes all the chatter, you know, just sort of moves everything out of the way, that's what it's like. And I'm listening and speaking as that voice when it's coming. When I work as a psychic, which is really my empathic work, I'm a little odd. I'm, I, I, I sort of call myself like a human switchboard, you know. I can be hearing you. If I were to tune into you, I'm, I might become you, start to look like you. I can hear what's going on with you either at a personality level or at a higher level. Or I can go to you at the time a sense of trauma was incurred. So if you have a block or a pattern, um, I'll often hear my God say, ask her what happened when she was seven. And I'll go to seven and that'll be, say, the year your parents divorced or the year, you know, something bad happened or traumatic, you know, whatever. And then we can go and we can sort of work with the energy around that to move it. Um, but I'm off also hearing everybody that you ask about. So it's just, I think it's really just telepathic communication, really, and I think that that's something that we're capable of. Um, in terms of, you know, how do people tune into their guides, I, you know, I, I asked, I think is what really happened. I asked, but I also showed up for this work really consistently over 25 years, you know. I mean, I really do feel that I was developed and I was developed quietly and frankly in, I'm not going to say in secret, but I was developed in an apartment. And I, when I finally got a website, it didn't even have my name on it. I didn't want people to find me. And I didn't really want people to know that I did this because I really didn't want to lose my gig at NYU. I'd had it for forever, you know, and I didn't know how receptive they'd be. By the time I left, which was really just this last year, and it was my choice, I was all over YouTube anyway, and I'd been on television, you know, and I had all these books out, so it was common knowledge. But initially, I was very, very, I don't want to say frightened. I wasn't frightened, but I was cautious. And I also was more interested in the work than sort of being known as somebody who could do this kind of thing, you know. And so I wasn't very invested in, in, in being public. In fact, I, I was more invested in not being public. And now I am public, so I'm having to deal with that. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting that um, Jane Roberts' death was mentioned earlier today. I was mm -hmm. getting uh, a massage uh, from a, a masseuse who trained at the Edgar Casey Institute. Mm -hmm, and apparently mm -hmm. Edgar Casey's grandson, Thomas Casey, just made his transition the last couple of days. Uh, and uh -huh. and he was he was mentioning, you know, we I I don't even know how it came up, but it came up in the massage. And, you know, mm -hmm. when, I, when I first heard about Edgar Casey, I was in my early 20s, and this 
lady who um, I met through a friend put the original, you know, Search for God and Search of God mm-hmm. and some of the different, mm-hmm. you know, books in my hands. And yeah. um, and then I met a, a chiropractor in his 80s. They were both in their 80s, and I'm in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these uh, teachers just first showed up. And the, the Marie Hishke, who took me, um, she took me to see my first uh, Swami at the Theosophical mm-hmm. Society, and mm-hmm. she introduced me to meditation. And, you know, I, I had never heard of anyone being a channel yeah, before yeah. Edgar yeah. Casey. And, you know, it's fascinating, the complete medical diagnoses that he would just mm-hmm. – yeah. You know, I mean, he was a photographer in Kentucky, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. I know. And then the next thing you know, like here, you know, and I can remember, you know, the area for research and enlightenment, which, you know, mm-hmm. is the Edgar Casey Foundation. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, if you had a medical condition, um, one time I had scleroderma like many, many years ago. And so I went, I sent for the, 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 the information and his channeled mm-hmm. readings would be sent through the mail. Yeah. And then you would, you know, read them, and then you would return them to the library. And now, supposedly, everything is online. But, yeah. um, but you know, back in the day, you paid thirty-five dollars a sure. year, and you had access mm-hmm. to all this fabulous yeah. information. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was amazing, amazing work. I believe that it's Casey who coined the term channeling. I don't think it, it was is. in the, in, yep. yeah, it wasn't, or it wasn't used until then. But there were people. There have been people doing this for thousands of years. You know, I mean, it's really not a pop culture phenomena. I mean, Swedenborg was doing it, you know. I mean, it's been really done. Artists have been doing it, you know. I think that it's it's how sacred texts have been delivered throughout time. And, um, you know, we tend to frame it now in this in this sort of New Age box. But, you know, really, it's just another way of accessing higher information. That's my 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 sense. But I think he's... You know, he's he was the the best one of uh, he was the he was doing astonishing work and a lot of it, a lot of work. You know, and I find it fascinating when he would come out of his trance, he wouldn't remember any of it. Yeah. It was just yeah. you know gone like a vapor. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that you know when you think of some of the most successful actors and actresses, that's why you know I I, I knew there was a reason I asked you that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, of course, I remember reading that you were a playwright. <laughs> you know, and when you think about the when they become you know, yeah. they become the person that they're portraying mm-hmm. on stage. Yeah. You yeah. can, you know, you can just feel it. Yeah. There's a total, yeah. I agree, you know. I mean, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm I'm not a trans channel. I'm a conscious channel. And it's an interesting thing. When I do channel directly without the whisper and the repeat, I then I don't remember anything. And I get a little spooked by that. It's a little out of control for me, especially when you're doing it in front of a large group of people i mean my whole life right now is i show up in front of you know hundreds of people at a live stream every week or in workshops you know without any idea what's going to come out of my mouth and it's already like a jump off it's a it's a leap every time i do this but to not remember any of it is is challenging but i i seem to be more present because i'm also sort of inquiring about the teachings as it's coming through so i interrupt the guides a fair amount you know, although they seem to have found a way to manage that with me. In the last book they channeled, they would say, you know, Paul is Paul has a question. And I almost had a question. I hadn't formed it yet. You know, I'm in the background saying, well, what are they really talking about? And they actually sort of learned to sort of integrate me as a character to answer questions that I would have asked without my actually interrupting the flow of the text, which is what's happened in the prior books. Because I'll go if I if, if something is too challenging for my consciousness, 
I was known to say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. And I'd literally have to say, okay, Paul's interrupting, and this is what we want, to, want him to know. And, and I guess I'm acting as a, a proxy for the reader who may be having the same questions, but it's the only way that I can do this is to sort of show up and be an inquiry too, because I can't say that I understand it. I mean, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a guru. I'm this guy that sits in the chair and has this experience of of being a radio in broadcast, you know, for this this higher consciousness. It's an it's an awkward place to be because I don't feel responsible for the transmission, but I also want to check it because I don't want anything to, you know, I I feel like I have to live with it. At the same time, you know, I'm party to it. Well, you're you're you are a very responsible, you know, and and that's, you know, that's like the uh, many. I'm I'm not criticizing but there are a lot of um untrained non i don't even know how, i don't even, i don't want to be negative but there are a lot of people out there that are just not being responsible that's all i'm going to just say and mm-hmm. you know it takes a uh, great integrity and commitment to be a clear channel and um and i love the name of the workshop that you're teaching in Kansas City which i want to uh, mention that mm-hmm. when i saw the title i thought oh my goodness aligning to a new life mm-hmm. it's fabulous and you know your new work mastery i mean to me you can have all the wisdom in the world but if you if you're not mastering your own life or mastering mm-hmm. your earth plane existence as well as you know every you know the rest of why we're here you know we're not mm-hmm. here by accident so so let's talk about you know what your guides and you know what you've been channeling lately in regard to um this mastery and and mm-hmm. aligning to the truth because and I want to mention mm-hmm. uh, Paul will be at Unity Village which is one of my all-time favorite places. I go there as often as I can. It's in Kansas City. It's um, bat- there's over 1,400 acres, and this is on May 20, May 20 through 22nd. And you can find all of the information um, at paulseligkansascity.eventbrite.com. You can also uh, find it in Spirit Seekers May issue, um, but you can also just go to paulseelig.com, and there will be a link there. Okay, so that's that. But you know, so Paul, what what are you getting? about like this year 2016 and and the difference that you have felt with this mastery um, message Mm -hmm. that's coming through well you know they've been teaching they just began a new trilogy of books and the first of the trilogy which came out in January was called the book of of mastery and they really do say you know you can't be a master and a victim at the same time it's just not possible but they're really beginning to talk about the transformation of the material realm um, as, as what we're here to support and the book that they just finished dictating and it's really about two and a half weeks now it's called the book of truth and that's where my head is at because i'm still wrapping my my brain around the teaching but they're one of their teachings and it's in the book of mastery and it's a very simple teaching um which they then really expound upon in a new book is that in truth a lie cannot be held it's just not possible so when you move to the vibration of truth Anything that is not in accordance with that or in alignment with that really needs to be released or reclaimed in a renown in a higher way. You really, you really can't be operating, you know, in a lower way. Now, when they talk about truth, they're not talking about a convenient truth or a, a temporary idea of what might be true. They say that the fundamental truth of who we are is as an expression of the divine 
in body, and they're really focusing on the physical form now, we're the manifestation of God in form. That's who we really, really are. And at that level of truth, what we think we are as a personality structure no longer is the truth of what we are. It isn't. There are temporary ways we know ourselves. We know our you know we can get to a point where we say, you know, I know I'm not my job, I'm knowing not I'm not my body, I'm not the diagnosis or the bad relationship or whatever, you know, I'm not my history. That's been a big teaching of the guides for a while. You know, you're not your history, you're not what happened to you. But who you are is an aspect of the divine and that's your your true expression. But now they're talking about sort of the realization of the divine self in form, in manifestation. And they say that you really can't transform the physical reality if you've excluded the physical form that you hold from the divine. So they say we're still kind of stuck with this idea of God in the clouds or spirit elsewhere, and we're here in the dirt trying to figure it all out. And they're saying, you know, God is in the dirt. God is in the blood. God is in the flesh. God is in all things, everything. And they speak of the kingdom, and they say that the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all manifestation, not just the pretty things, not just the things we like or we would approve of or think are spiritual. But they say that it's the true self or the divine self that can bear witness to the kingdom, which is the divine in all things, and in that witness, the physical realm that we operate in can be transformed, because essentially we become the conductor or the expression of that. And they're talking about alchemy now. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, this guy that didn't believe in anything, so now I'm, I'm getting these teachings on this. Um, but they're exciting, and again. The guides really stress again and again that this is not theoretical stuff. They're not teaching theory. They're teaching practice, things that can be done and known. Um, one of the things about all the books, you know, is that the, the books themselves, according to the guides, are operating in vibration. You know, the books themselves are attunements to the frequency that my guides work with. And people read the books. And if you go to the reviews on Amazon, people are saying, you know, I'm reading the book and my body is vibrating. I'm reading the book and I'm seeing auras. You know, this, this, this kind of phenomena. And it happens in the workshops every time I do them. I mean, we're all having this shared experience of, of, of vibration and consciousness. But the books themselves are doing this. So they're actually supporting people in claiming their own experience of this in a way that they may know. And that's exciting to me. So that's what they've been I teaching totally lately. Yeah. I totally, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. You know, the I can remember, you know, when Course in Miracles first came out in the early 80s, and I had mm-hmm. one of the first copies, and I went through, blew through three study groups, left a couple because I just was like, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't the right, I, it just didn't resonate with me. And then I remember my friend saying, you don't have to understand them. You can just have them near you. Put them where you're sleeping. You're going to start to mm-hmm. get them by osmosis because mm-hmm. of the frequency of yeah. the channeled information. And mm-hmm. what you just described, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting. You know, when I uh, sent the uh, email out to the, the guests for, um, for this month, the, the guests that I'm interviewing next week said, oh, my gosh, I'm reading his book right now. <laughs> 
And uh, so, and she's just fascinated. You know, she said, she says his books have helped me so much. And then of course she, you know, sent it out. I, I love, don't you just love social media? I mean, try and hide in, in 2016 yeah, and see what happens. You just can't do it. It's like, and you know, so yeah, it's a, it's a vibrational, it's a frequency. And I'm so glad you used the word alchemy because to me, we're, that's the magic. That is the magic. Yeah. And it's, you know, like this global pyramid conference that's coming up in the Midwest. This this gal has people coming from all over the world, and one of the scientists that is um, that is speaking at that conference were, is working with France. Like France mm-hmm. actually wanted to understand more about how these the pyramids were built, and they this this guy working with the French, they come up with all this new information about how they did the, the, the pyramids were built through symbol technology. Like basically they distilled the information and they were able to put it in an alch- alchemic process. And so of course, mm-hmm. guess who's trying to figure out all this stuff now? The uh-huh. the warfare, because they know that, mm-hmm. you know, this information can be distilled and used for evil or good. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know our scientists. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. But, but it's like it's it's like so much has happened throughout all the ancient mystery schools and everything. And here we are. Like we act mm-hmm. like you know this is all new information, but it is new because mm-hmm. we are tuning into you know this amazing information that's there for all of us. I agree. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot coming through. Wow. So I am so grateful that you are offering all of this knowledge and you're, you're, you know, all over the U S you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I guess a question that, that, you know, I would like to ask is, you know, have you ever had, like when you open yourself up at this level and doing mm-hmm. service at this level, have you ever, I mean, do you ground yourself? Do you protect yourself? Have you, what are what do you do to stay so centered to do this work? I mean, this is, it's it's deep work you're doing. Well, you know, when I first started, and I used to be, and I was first doing groups, and this is 20 years ago, more, more now, maybe 25 years ago easily, and I was always so worried that I wouldn't be able to hear. And I used to feel in those days uh, that I had like a tin can up against my ear and I was just praying somebody else would grab the other end of the tin can or we'd all just be sitting there with nothing happening. And then I had a request right before I was about to do a group to merge. And I felt this, now I'd call it a download of energy or this real merging with my, my energy field. And now I don't feel like I have to go anywhere. You know, it's always pretty present, although there's different degrees of availability. When I'm doing a reading, I'm not in this sort of full-out cloud of vibration as I can be when I'm when I'm channeling a workshop and when I'm certainly when I'm doing the books because the books are they're so precise with me and I'm so far receded at this point when those things happen. But I do work with the prayer protection. I always have, and not because I'm frightened of what's out there, but I think it's really. You know, it sets the space and it sets the intention. And I use the unity prayer protection. I've used that since I first began a spiritual journey. 
Um, so that's my preparation. I like to be quiet before I work, and that's not always possible. And some of my best channelings, frankly, are when I'm cranky and tired and I don't want to be doing it. And I would rather be doing anything else. And the guides come through full force, and I just feel like I'm a pile of laundry in the back corner of the room, and they're just they just go through it. But in a way, when I don't care and I don't have an investment in what's coming through me, I'm I'm even farther receded, and there's more room for them. When I have to, you know, I don't have performance anxiety about this anymore. I mean, I suppose I could. But I can get nervous before there's, you know, if there's a hundred people in the room, and I, you know, I'm and and the sound system is bad, and I'm worried people can't hear me. I can be worried about myself, but I'm really not so worried about the transmission at this point. They have, I think, they actually know that if if they were to like leave me standing there on a stage alone with nothing happening, I would just cancel everything and never do it again. I'd be too horrified. You know, my my active my agreement is to show up for the work, and their their agreement seems to be to show up with me. You know, when it's time. So there's not nothing all that long and involved. If I had a better meditation practice, which I need, and I'm I'm saying this to hear myself, because I think that there are areas of my life that would improve greatly if I were to just give myself that and. I'm a stubborn student of my own God's work. I really am. I sometimes go kicking and screaming to the altar that they keep saying, just drop everything on. You know, you're so funny. You've you've mentioned this three times now about the meditation. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I, I'll tell you, when I first learned meditation, <clears throat> it was 20 minutes every morning, 20 minutes afternoon. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. And I actually, I really did it. I did it mm-hmm. 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And then I've studied with so many different teachers from India, and, you know, I've been told whether, you know, and I'm teaching, I'm teaching a mantra class this Thursday night, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, my, my, I wanted to teach feng shui, but, you know, this group said, nope, we just had a feng shui person, so what else would you like to teach? And I don't even know where, how we got to it, but it came to mantras. So I've been told by, you know, more than one teacher that the one and only meditation mantra, if you just learn one your whole life, Om Namah Shivaya. And there's actually, if you look, if you do a search for one minute meditation, uh-huh. it'll go. And Om Namah Shivaya hits all seven chakras. And it's huh. like the most ancient. And it was channeled through Babaji, who taught mm-hmm. that really there's only three things in life truth, simplicity, and love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Tell the truth. Live, you know, keep your life pretty simple and come from love. And yeah. that's why I loved your new series of books. It's like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you knew as a child that thoughts are things, and you were aware yeah. of the power. And most people think that their interior landscape, their thoughts are like hidden, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're magnified. Yeah. And yeah. so here you are, you know, you're channeling, and I love how you said, you know, they show up, and they're right there with you. So, of course, the sound system's going to work, and if it doesn't, they'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, there's a, there's a divine orchestration of all of this. And, mm-hmm. you know... So I just I don't know I just I just love your approach and I love that you're the surrendered and I think you're meditating whether you realize it or not Paul 
that's fine. Oh, well, thank you. I got you know I work with I work with a, an agape prayer minister who I, I adore, a practitioner um, who just gets on my case about the meditation. He said, Paul, just read your own books. You'd have nothing to complain about. That's you it. Know. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, you doing know, it. I always, you are. I, well, in you know I am doing it, but at the same time, and I'm I'm very much in process. But yeah. my challenge has always been that I'm the channel. You know, if you were channeling the books, I could just read the books and say, oh, see what I think. But I'm aware of my, of the fact that my vocabulary is used, my consciousness is used, my memory banks get accessed as part of this stuff. Although, you know, now, and I have to say increasingly as these books have come through, I read, somebody else transcribed the Book of Truth. You know, it was the first time I've had that privilege. I used to type the damn things myself, and the typing took forever. The channeling just was a matter of hours, you know, 21 hours is a whole book or something of sessions, or maybe even less if, you know, you add it all up. But when I was able to read the book for the first time fresh, and I got it, and I also was completely aware of how not present I was for any of it. It's it's a really clear, clear, clear dictation. And so this time, I think I really may be able to benefit from it because I'm not sick of it from having typed it for a month and heard myself again and again and again while I'm fixing all the the commas and the typos and trying to to translate, you know, the the repetition of how I work to the reader. It's it's really a process. You know, I, I can remember, you know, Wayne Dyer saying that at right before you know he made his transition, his kids mm-hmm. bought him an iPad. But prior to that, you know he very rarely used email, and he hand wrote uh, every one of his books. How interesting! I didn't know can that. Can you that imagine? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, I think I can imagine. You know, I think. I mean, it, and he also read a book every single day. I mean, that's part of, wow. yeah. you know, he was very much into rituals. And I think that's what meditation is. You know, I think meditation, yeah. you know, I used to, like, you know, when I first started, I thought I had to, like, you know, do all these different things. And, you know, and depending on if you're clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient, claircognizant, whatever you're, you know, mm-hmm. whatever way you receive information, you know, like I've studied a lot with neuro-linguistic programming. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I just need the quiet. And now that I've yeah. learned to still my mind, I could do it in a train station. Uh, the air, it doesn't matter where you are. You just close your eyes, and no one knows that you're somewhere else. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah so I think that's the, the beauty of meditation, you know, that it gives you that. But you're already doing it. It's just, you know, you don't realize you're doing it. Okay. Okay, so, so enough of that. So, okay, where do you feel... You know, you mentioned it earlier, you touched on it, and I I just like to go there. A lot of times Mm -hmm. people, especially in the New Age community, Mm -hmm. when bad things happen, I mm-hmm. I hear it and it drives me crazy. Well, what did you do to create that? Yeah. Well, what were your why why are bad things happening? I mean, I went yeah. through a cancer experience ten years ago, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget this lady saying, "But you're a spiritual leader and all this. Why why are you getting cancer?" And I just remember I was so shocked. It was like, "What?" Yeah. I said, "I'm not walking on water yet." You know. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's you know. So when people have bad things happen or mm-hmm. fears come up, yeah, can you? Can you help with under, uh, people listening, and myself included here, yeah. in understanding you know, some of the things that happen along the way? Things happen. Yeah. I think we're here to learn. I think that's the big one, and I think that we learn in different ways. 
I also think that while we are co-creators here, we're also in collective agreements here, and we forget that. You know, we forget that there's larger agreements happening here about what the world is, what health is, how we treat ourselves. My guides are really talking about that. I'm not one to... You know, I was going to say blame the victim, but I don't even buy that because my guides say, you know, you can be a victim or a master. Being a master is really about how you attend to the situations that come to you. I mean, I'll, I'll, ex- I'll explain this maybe this way. I mean, this is the kind of thing like normally my guides might just pop in and answer because they're much quicker and they have the answers that I don't. But when I was first told that the Book of Mastery was going to be dictated and I objected because I thought, it, you know, it was they had just finished a book and it was too soon. They hadn't brought through the new teachings yet. They said, well, we're going to start pretty much right away, and they did. But over the course of the next few months, um, everything that I could have assumed that could have gone badly went badly. My apartment building got sold. I was given eight weeks to move my dog died, who'd been my big companion, and the day that I moved into the new place was the day I had to put the dog to sleep. And I threw my back out on packing that first night and ended up pretty much immobile for a couple of months. And I don't take I don't take drugs, so I was sort of dealing with the most severe pain I'd ever had in my life without much more than Advil. And then I got slandered. I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? I have my home, my security, my reputation, and my health. You know, everything. Your dog, your loving dog. My, well, she was my best buddy. She was a great, great friend. And that was my emotional security was the dog. But, you know, the guides were dictating. Then, they, then the book is, is coming. And the guides said, this is their, their big teaching on this for me. And it's the one that I really got. They said the true self or the divine self or the God within, whatever you want to call it, they called it the true self, I think, cannot be persecuted. The divine self cannot be persecuted. It does not exist at that level. What you can experience is the persecution of the personality structure, the ego or the body. But the true self cannot. It's the infinite self. you know. And they also started teaching that the true self or the divine self does not know fear. It does not exist at that level of vibration. And I got this stuff. For the first time, I actually got some of this stuff. And I watched how things began to transform, you know, as a result of that. Now, I'm not saying that people have to go through a lot of crap. I I happen to. I'm also stubborn and resistant. But do I think I created these things? Not necessarily. Do I do think that they were opportunities to learn and to grow? Yes, I actually do, because if they're not, then I'm a victim. Do you know what I mean? And I think that anything that happens is, is an opportunity for the for the evolution or development of our of our soul. Yeah. I it's getting back to the love. You know, I mean that's the soul the the soul it just yearns for that feeling of coming home, you know? And yeah. I think that's that's what you're describing is you know, the the love, you know, I mean, that's, that's really what we're here to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's not the word I use to describe it, but the guides really do teach union, and that is love, you know. They say that the belief is that we're separate from our source, but that's just not the reality. And they say that the belief that we're separate from our source 
has you know come down to the level that we believe that we're separate from everybody else and this is why we have all these problems here and we're not you know i mean they say you know you don't kill what you know is holy it just doesn't happen you know so that's that's how i get it i mean and why as to why challenging things i don't want to use the word bad things but challenging things happen if you wish i'm going to just ask the guides i'm just going to see if they'll say anything that would like to think they're saying we would like to say one thing what you call bad what you call bad may be quite wonderful may be quite wonderful in hindsight in hindsight you attach to outcome you attach to outcome what you think should be and what you think should be what you think should be, what you think should be, should be is what in history is always predicated in history what you think should happen what you think should happen based on what we were taught based upon what you were taught to expect to expect or anticipate or anticipate when you begin to move out of the symbol when you begin to move out of this reality of this reality of agreements of agreements to history to history so if you begin to reclaim yourself in a higher way in a higher way when you tether to history but many of you tether to the history of what you've been taught to believe of what you've been taught to believe in the release of that and the release of that may come in different ways may come in different ways as you were attached those of you who are attached to history to what you think should be may be taught in difficulty may be taught in difficulty those who are willing those of you who are willing to release all things to release all things to a higher way of being to a higher way of being may have a different experience of it may have a different experience of it period and they're saying period so that's their answer not mine thank you thank you for that yeah and I, you know it is expectation and it is like our story and yeah. it is like yeah. You know, the shoulds and the woulds and the this is yeah. the that's and, you know, I, thank you for that, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have them, too. I mean, I have to, I mean, I'm, I I have to think about what they said. I mean, as much as I can remember it, but, you know, because I have my shoulds and my woulds, too. You know, I really do. And um, they just said, and they get in the way. So that was what I just heard. <laughs> so I suppose they do, and they get in the way. They can wave, They get in the way of truth. You know, I mean, the guys have said, this is what they've started saying things like, this is in the last book, they say, you know, if you look around the room that you're in, everything in the room has a name that was given to it by somebody who came before you. You know, you're living, we're living in a museum of other people's ways of defining a reality. And as we begin to claim ourselves in a higher way, we actually begin to claim a reality that's in accord with that. But we can't do that when we continue to ascribe all this power to what we've been taught to believe should be or should be there, even in the room. You know, it's it's so interesting. I mean, what just came through was here I was whining about I wanted to teach feng shui, and instead I'm teaching mantras. But you know what? Mantras changed my life. Mm. Mantras totally changed my life. And it's like, uh-huh. you know, and, and but yet in my mind... You know, I had I went down that that path, and yet sure. this is a great opportunity to like, you know, I mean everything's an opportunity, you know. And um, so, listeners, I want to mention this opportunity because Paul is going to be teaching at Unity Village, and Unity Village is a very special place. It's I don't even know how to describe it, but there there's Awakened Whole Life Center there. There's this tower that was built, you know, way back in the day, and most people do not know it. And, Paul, have you ever been up to the top of that tower? No, I've never been to Unity Village. I'm excited to go. Okay. Well, I want you to um, – I'm going to uh, send you an email and somehow find – I hope that they will do this. They have – and it's not open to the public. I did, I had a private tour um, and visit when I was there a little over a year ago with my daughter. 
that that the, the, the whole thing is an ecological village. They have gardens. That was it was built. They have their own water tower. They have their own fruits and vegetables. It's like just really astounding. And there is a it's like an amphitheater at the top of one of the buildings that is totally with you having worked in theater. The sound aspect. It's like being in a sound chamber, mm-hmm. and it's 360. You can see around. So. Um, and I never knew that. I'd been to Unity Village. I don't know how many times. And then they, and it's an acoustical miracle. That's all I can tell you. And if you um, listeners, you, if you get anywhere near Unity Village, they have shuttles that will come and pick you up. They have a magnificent conference center where you can stay, but they also have an older section. Um, but it's 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 just beautiful, you know. And you know, Unity practitioners, they have a week of service every summer where you can actually be a volunteer and go and stay, and your meals are provided, and, you know, they lovingly take care of the rose gardens, and uh, it's just it's just magnificent to, to be there. They have a bookstore that is fabulous, and, um, and this is coming up. It's in May. It's mm-hmm. May 20th through 22nd, um, and, you know, Paul will be there teaching Aligning to a New Life, a channeled workshop. You... You know, I can't say enough. Like, it's just fabulous that you're there. And, you know, Paul, we have a couple more minutes. Is there anything else you would like to share? Just just anything that comes through that you want to share with our listeners. Well, I want to put in a plug because it just occurs to me that I have a new live stream starting this tomorrow, actually, on Wednesday. And my guides are teaching. They do this on Wednesday nights, and they actually lecture and take questions. So this is something that's happening now and it's ongoing so you know people can find out about that on my website and i'm going to see i'm going to ask if there's anything that i want to say about no i don't i'm going to go to the guides and they're going to see if they want to say anything yes would they're saying yes we would please all of you please all of you realize for a moment realize for a moment who you truly are who you truly are in the manifestation of the divine and the manifestation of the divine that is what you are that is what you are will make itself known to you will make itself known to you but you must take the moment but you must take the moment to decide for yourself and decide for yourself you are not separate from your source that you are not separate from your source in that moment of decision in that moment of decision you can actually align your whole being you can actually align your whole being to what you truly are to what you truly are outside of the claims made by the small self outside of the claims made by the small self in her belief in separation in her belief in separation we offer you this we offer you this you are the aspect of the divine you are the aspect of the divine maybe known in form that may be known in form just as you are just as you are period and they're saying period so that's from them mm. okay Beautiful, and um, the live stream series is called Manifestation and Divinity. It's mm-hmm. every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's May 4th through June 1st. Um, you can go to paulselig.com or you can go to paulselig.livestream.eventbrite.com. And um, the other one, the other website uh, for the Kansas City uh, Visit at Unity Village is paulseeligkansascity.eventbrite.com. And there is information, um, of course, at his website and also in this issue of Spirit Seeker. So, Paul, I just thank you. I thank you for listening. I thank you for continuing to listen and to, to bring us this wonderful, wonderful channeled uh, information and, you know, the beautiful messages tonight. So from my heart to your heart, I, I just give thanks for the work you're doing, and I'm just grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Okay. All right, listeners, and just enjoy. And remember, this is the podcast. Share it with others. The minute it's over, you can go to spiritseeker.com, click on the radio icon. It'll take you right to the website. Um, or you can find us on Facebook, spiritseekernetwork.com. Uh, okay. Thank you, everyone. This is Paul Selig, fabulous, fabulous, wonderful channel, bringing us light on planet Earth. So follow his work and buy his books. Okay. Thanks so much. Good night, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.